Would you turn with me to uh, the 103rd Psalm this evening? And let's get ready to get into some things in the Word. And I, we're going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to believe with me. I've got a number of things in my heart this evening. And uh, I don't know if you realize it, but utterance and services are not just all based on the preacher. I, the preacher has a part. The people have a part. And, of course, the Holy Ghost has a part. Amen. And uh, all three are very vital. You know, Paul said sometimes speaking to certain people, he said, I would have gone into this and gone into that, but you weren't able to hear it. So uh, there are several things there that are factors in how far we can go with some things. But we've been talking here in these Friday evenings about a series we've entitled The Works and the Ways of Jesus. And as a church, we've been reading the New Testament through a chapter each day. Monday through Friday. Now we've read uh, Luke 1 today, is that right? Or if you're going to read it later, whichever. But so then uh, Monday, we'll begin with uh, Luke 2. Read that chapter carefully. Don't speed read it. Don't scan it. Read it carefully and slowly. And use all the faith you have to believe that you get understanding out of it. And look for Jesus. Amen. We want to see how he operates. How he dealt with situations. And a lot of good things. I just get excited in my spirit when I talk about it. Because I know people's spirits are being fed. We're growing even more than we realize. That's a good. Somebody should have said amen. amen. I said we're growing more than we realize. So if you haven't been doing it. Please start with us. And if you have been. How many did you reading this week? Lift up your hand. Let me see. Good. Glory. Good. Excellent. Excellent. You get a star. Uh, Psalm 103. Are you there? Now, if you want to say amen or praise the Lord, it won't scare me. I've had it happen before, and <laughs> I won't lose my train of thought. If I do, the Lord will help me get it back. And uh, just, uh, you know, don't get too quiet. Don't be too subdued. Uh, church is supposed to be a place of life. Amen. Place of life. And uh, sometimes people say, well, I just don't understand. These folk always holler and amen and praise the Lord. And I don't understand all that. Well, when, when you get free, you're free. Something comes up in your heart, you don't mind expressing it. Now, there are some things people can be distracting, but just saying thank you, Lord, and amen, praise the Lord is not a bad thing. In fact, it's always appropriate. Didn't the Bible say in everything, give thanks? Hmm? Rejoice in the Lord always. So when the conversation lulls and you don't know what to do, just say, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. It's always appropriate. <laughs> it's scriptural. Uh, Psalm 103 and the seventh verse. Psalm 103, 7. And let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... Saving us. Thank you for the life we have in you. Thank you the Holy Spirit's here tonight. He's our teacher. Our guide. And Lord we're believing you. To enlighten eyes. And quicken hearts. And minds. And souls. And bodies. Let there come a supply of the Spirit. Let there come divine grace. Deposits and truth impartations. Revelation that gives answers. And directions. And help. And we'll not be hearers only. 
But by your grace, we purpose and say we'll be doers. And as we do what you say, we know we'll be established and we'll be blessed and we'll be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say it out loud. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. In Psalm 103, verse 7. The word says, he made known, talking about God, made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. He made known his ways to Moses, and he made known his acts to the children of Israel. In fact, this is something that irritated the Lord. He said on more than one occasion concerning that first generation of Israelites that he brought out of Egyptian bondage, how long will it be ere they know and understand my ways and ere they obey? It was a source of, if you want to call it, frustration or irritation to him. And though they saw his works or his acts, they never understood God's ways. But Moses understood his ways. How many are hungry to know God's ways? Amen. I mean, it's amazing that they were out there in the wilderness and they saw all these miracles. They saw the Red Sea split. They saw manna fall out of the sky. They saw water come out of the rock. And after all that, they never understood God and what he wanted and how he operated. Oblivious to his ways. Well, Jesus is the express image of the Father. He said at the end of his ministry and walk, earth walk, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why we're reading, among other things, these gospel accounts very carefully looking to see him. Amen? Because when we're seeing him, we're seeing God's ways. And so we haven't, you know, this is not a verse-by-verse study Uh, It's not a study of all the teachings of Jesus, but it is a study of the Lord's ways, his works, and particularly his ways. I believe this is our ninth session. We talked, first of all, about the plan and protection of God. Jesus was very conscious of both. We talked about the anointing and the authority of God. Jesus operated continually in both, anointing and authority. We talked about sowing and reaping. Jesus talked much on the subject. We talked about the faith way of life. We talked about a letting God do things in your life. We talked about love and honor. We talked about resisting or receiving. Last week we talked about how did Jesus know what to do? How did he know what to preach? How did he know how to minister? And I don't have time to go into all that tonight. But I was reading along with us all in our chapters this week and I got to chapter 14 of Mark why don't you turn over there Mark 14 this was in our reading this week and uh, something that stood out to me and this is a little bit different than some things I've taught but we prayed and I'm believing God are you believing God with me there's some things we need to get into tonight And I'm going to touch on numerous things that apply to different people. I don't even know who I'm going to be talking to. I just know it's going to be pointed. 
And uh, you might think I know more than I do. So just be quiet and look straight ahead and smile and go, Amen, Brother Keith. And don't say anything. And then if you need to, get home, fall across the bed and go, Oh, God, he was talking to me. And, but you don't have to tell me. I might not even know. <laughs> I had a fellow come after service one time. I'd never seen him before. And he came and some other people were wanting to speak to him. And, and I, so he had to wait a few minutes. And every once in a while I'd glance over at him. He looked mad. He looked real upset. So I really wasn't in a rush to get to him. But uh, eventually I did. And he just stood there and looked at me. Didn't reach out his hand. And he just looked at me. I mean an ugly look. And, and I just stood there for a minute. He didn't say anything. And, and he just looked and glared at me. Finally he said, Preacher. If you got something to say to me, why don't you just say it? I said, I said, what do you mean? He said, you know what I mean. You're trying to talk to me all through that service. And I said, I said, I don't even know you. Have we met? He said, I don't think so. But you got something to say. Here I am. Tell me. I said, well, if I did, I already have. But the thing is, people, a lot of those people don't believe it, but God is talking in our services. Amen? And uh, we need to be open to realize that, you know, people are not necessarily trying to point you out or single you out or may not even know anything about it. But God does. And the Lord's not trying to condemn or hurt anybody, but if you are on the wrong track, He does want it corrected. And then show you how to do it right. And even His correction is encouraging and edifying amen because it shows you the right way to do it how to come out well in this 14th chapter of mark i saw something and i just want to read for a bit and we'll get into it as we read the scriptures mark 14 are you there everybody there mark 14 Uh, verse Three. Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, and as he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. I looked that word up while we were, you know, doing a reading this week. And it's akin to the word used for horses snorting. (laughs) They snorted. Made them mad. Why? Because the preacher got a big offering. And this wasn't for the church. This was personally for the preacher. Somebody said it was for Jesus. You got to understand, very few of them had much of a revelation that he was the son of God. Most of them saw him as a preacher, man of God. And this woman, things had happened in her life through Jesus' ministry. She was so thrilled. She took the most precious thing she had. And you read in just a minute, or verse or two later, how that it was worth 300 pence. Well, that's almost a year's wage. And depending on how you figure it, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. This is not a watch he could wear and enjoy for years. 
Not even a suit of clothes he could enjoy. Not a car he could drive. It's just something that made his feet or his head smell real good for a while. But to her, it was worth every penny. Amen. But now I want you to notice something. They snorted like horses in indignation within themselves. And notice, what did they call it? They said, why was this waste made? This is a waste. Did Jesus say it was a waste? No. See, if that had been some people, the way they believed Jesus is, then Jesus should have said, woman, what did you do? I've been teaching you all for years, and you don't know any better than this. You should have sent this to the mission field. We could have bought Bibles with this. No, that's men's wrong thinking. The thing is, people don't seem to understand. They think you can only do one or the other. Why can't we do it all? I said, why can't we do it all? We can. But now, they said it's a waste. It could have been sold for more than 300 pence. It could have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. They murmured against her. The Lord said something to me this week. I want you to, you might want to write them down. The Lord said, are you ready to write this down? He said, you cannot, well, let me say it just the way he said it to me. There is no way to complain in faith. (laughs) There's no way. There is no situation, there's no set of circumstances in which you can complain in faith. If you're complaining, you're not in faith about it. That's worth you coming out tonight, just that right there. Well, I didn't think that up, the Lord gave that to me. Think about it. I mean, if you are complaining, let's say you went for prayer for your body. You're supposed to believe you receive healing. What if the rest of the day you complain about it? Are you in faith about your healing? Complain about the bills. Let's say, you know, you pray, you're believing for your kid to straighten up and live right. You prayed a good prayer, but then you get up and you just complain about how they act. I don't know when that kid's going to straighten up. Well, all the praying you did is for nothing because you are not in faith. You're undoing your prayers with your mouth. If you're in faith about something, you can't complain about it. Don't just take my word for it now. Search the scriptures. See if that's right or not. Check your heart. Now there's another statement I'll get to in just a minute that parallels, goes with that one. But hold on to that. They were murmuring. They were griping against her. And Jesus said, you let her alone. Leave her alone. Why trouble you her? She's wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you will, you can do them good, but me, you have not always. She's done what she could. It is important to minister to the poor. Is it just as important to minister to the gifts that God gives us? Hmm? When he ascended up on high, he gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. This is important. And I mean, there's a whole other study here. It's not my purpose tonight, but I'm telling you, the people's 
Prosperity and blessing is directly linked to their ministers. And it's because that's one of the ways you honor God. Didn't the Lord say, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. He takes these things personally. I know uh, uh, the Lord sent me some years ago. I was up north in a meeting. And uh, I was just praying about the service, not even thinking about this. And the Lord brought this minister who was a thousand miles away in a small church. He brought him to my thinking. And he said to me, he said, his car is inadequate. I want you to go do something about it. I didn't even know what kind of car he had. I was looking forward to resting a couple of days when I got home. The Lord had just given me a little airplane. And so he said, as soon as you get home, you fire up that little plane and you go see him and you tell the people some things I've told you to tell them. And if they don't take care of it, you take care of it. So I did. I'm on assignment. So I got there. And among other things, the Lord told me this. He said, tell them these ministers I've given them are gifts and they're precious And if they don't treat them properly with respect, they will lose them. He said, if they don't appreciate what I've given them, I'll send them to some people that do. And some people, how many of you, if you've got something precious, if you've got an expensive watch, you don't just throw it in the corner. You want to put it in a nice box. You want to put it up in a nice place. You understand what I'm talking about? You want to treat it properly. And so I told him, I said, uh, the Lord said, this man's car is inadequate. And when I got there, it was. It was just a doggy, wore out thing. And. And I said, he told me it's inadequate. Said, we need to do something about it. And if you don't, I am. Well, praise God, they did. They jumped on it with both feet. And I gave an offering. And they all gave an offering. And I'm telling you what, they bought him a brand new, one of these Suburbans with all these frills. And I mean, this thing was all fixed up. He was happy. And then the Lord said, tell them now. Tell them now. They're learning how to honor what I send. And if they'll continue to grow in this, I'll send them some of the best ministries in the nation to their church. Now, that it sounded like big talk because they're way out in the sticks and they weren't big. And so it came to pass. He also said, he said, tell them that there'll also be new cars parked all out in this parking lot next time you come. Their cars. Guess what? It happened just that way. And they're telling me all the time, so-and-so came to speak. I'm thinking, is that so-and-so came to you? Yeah. Why? They learn how to value and esteem. Now, I haven't digressed. Because why did Judas and why did these, these others respond like this? Why did they have a problem with this gift? They didn't value Jesus like she did. Isn't that right? And it gets much worse. It goes on to say, verse 10. I mean, this Jesus said, you leave her alone. Everywhere this gospel is preached, there's going to be, uh, this is going to be told as a memorial of her. And we're talking about it tonight, all these centuries later. This is important. And Judas Iscariot, verse 10, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to What? Betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and they promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. This was in his heart when he was griping about the offering. 
We're going to look at two traitors tonight. And there's some things going on. There's some ministers here. There's several ministers here. The Lord's saying some things to you. And then all of us, the Lord gives us examples, not only what to do and be, but he shows us what not to do and what not to be. How many have it in your heart strong? You do not want to be a Judas. You never want to happen in your life what happened to Judas. Judas had this in his heart when he was fussing about this offering. And you know what he wound up selling Jesus for? 30 pieces of silver. The Amplified brings out that is about $21. That's what the Amplified says. He's fussing. He's indignant, snorting like a horse. Because somebody gave Jesus a $20,000 offering, turned right around and sold him for $20. And this is why he wound up being a traitor. Is because this was in his heart. And now you watch it, you watch it. People who are fussing about what something that somebody got, they will sell you out. I said they'll sell you out. For nothing. They don't see your value. Now this is not just for preachers. This is for everybody. If people love you. If they care about you. They value you. And they don't care how much you get. They'd like to see you get more. Right? But when they've got a problem with what you had. Or what happened to you. Or something. And they think it's too much. And they think it's a waste because it's on you. Well it's obvious they don't think much of you. If it's a waste. Hmm? I know a friend of mine jokes sometimes. He, somebody comes in with a nice suit. He'll say, boy, that's nice if it was on somebody. <laughs> he is joking. But that's the kind of thing it is. I mean, the thing, I mean, who else could we find to dump this perfume on where it wouldn't be a waste? Hmm? The value. Now let's back up. Judas was handpicked by Jesus. Do you think Judas intended to be the traitor? No, he did not. Don't you think Judas had some good times with Jesus and the other apostles? Don't you think they had some good fellowship? You know they did. Jesus didn't just pick him at random. You remember he spent the night in prayer? And then he called to him those whom he would, and he appointed them twelve. He heard from heaven about this, didn't he? He heard from the Father. And Judas was one of the ones that he got from the Father God to pick and appoint as one of the twelve. little side thought here. Jesus had trouble with his help, too. That didn't necessarily mean that he missed God because he had trouble with somebody. People can change. I said people can change. There's, I've seen cases of people that were in churches and ministries and they, they betrayed and, and caused all kind of problems. And sometimes people were just pulling their hair thinking, I, dear Lord, I guess I just totally missed God. I thought I was supposed to put him in that position. Well, Jesus did put this man in this position. And he was stealing from him, wasn't he? 
he was embezzling. And he got to the place where Jesus wasn't worth but $20 to him. Sold him, betrayed him for $20. That's what the Amplified says. What happened to the man? This this, this wasn't how Judah started out. Do you remember when he was walking by and he saw Peter and John? He said, come follow me. They left everything and they followed him. And Matthew and Thomas and, and Judas and all of them did. And they were with him and they saw the miracles and they heard preaching like they'd never heard in their life. And they were changed from the inside out. And, and the money was coming in and the people's needs were being met. And, and it was wonderful and they were happy. What happened to him? How did he get like this? How did he get to the place where when a woman comes up and wants to do something good for Jesus, he snorts like a horse and says, that's wasteful, and then turns around and sells him for $20? Somewhere, he got disillusioned. Somewhere, he, he got to judging Jesus after the flesh, didn't he? Somewhere, he, he had it in his mind how it was supposed to be. Maybe he thought Jesus should have been strong and tried to rally support in the streets and try to overthrow the Roman government and try to uh, take this thing and bring it to pass right now in the flesh. I, I don't know. But at some point, he got disillusioned with Jesus. He got disillusioned with the whole thing and got bitter too. And betrayed him. And was traitorous. Now the reason I'm taking time with this tonight, friends, is because this is what you're seeing with with the enemy. Excuse me, with, with, with Judas, is what happened with the devil. How many know there's some things that point towards the idea that the one now called the destroyer, the devil, was at one time in the presence of the Almighty. As an angel. And had a place there. We don't know how long. But what happened to him? I mean, you talk about the truth that you can find fault with anybody. You can find. He found fault with God in heaven. Judas found fault with Jesus, the master. So don't fall off of your chair. If people get disillusioned with you. And he, Lucifer got this bitterness in him. And he be, God did not make him the devil. He became this on his own. How I many know God, the Lord did not, Jesus certainly didn't make Judas a traitor. And Judas didn't become a traitor by sitting under Jesus' ministry. And walking with him. And hearing what he taught and preached. He let the enemy feed this into his insides over a period of time. Until he just got to where he despised Jesus. And he went to the services. But he didn't want to hear it anymore. And he don't know what's wrong with him. And he's weak. And why don't he do this? And why don't he do that? And they got more money than they need. So I'm just going to pocket some of it. I work hard. They don't pay me enough. They owe it to me. Stealing. 
Stealing from Jesus' offerings. And then got to the place where he goes to Jesus' enemies and says, uh, I know where you can get him if you'll pay me. What kind of man is this? He's a man Jesus handpicked to be one of his closest followers. A man he intended to train to teach others. Somebody said, well, he was, do you think Judas was saved? People have different ideas about it. All indications I see point to no. Jesus said it would have been better for him if he had never even been born. A man that can wind up in glory, how could you say all that? And he said, none of these have been lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now the reason I even bring that up is because this stuff is so vile. It's so poisonous that I want you to be on the watch for it. Amen. Amen. That you never let any of this bitterness get in your heart and thereby other people around about you get defiled with it as well until you get to where you despise people that God hooked you up with and you mock and you snort when good things happen in their lives out of envy. Because when you do that, you are on the trail of destruction. You are on the same path that Lucifer took and that Judas took. You never want us to take one step down that road. Do you? You cannot complain in faith. Here's the other thing. You cannot reveal faults and failures about your friend in love. I said you cannot reveal and tell faults and failures, either what actual or what you think, about somebody you call your friend in love. You cannot do that in love. If you're talking about somebody, they're not there. You're telling somebody else somebody's faults and failures that's supposed to be your friend. There ain't no way. You can try to doctor it up. And sometimes people say, well, I, you know, I'm not really talking about them. I'm just telling you because I want you to pray. This ain't love. Love covers the multitude of sins, doesn't it? Somebody who's really your friend, even when you blow it, they try to help you save face. Amen. They won't lie for you. They won't call wrong right, but they'll do like Noah's good sons did. Don't you remember the one of them went in there when he was drunk in there in the tent with his clothes off? He come a popping out going, hey, hey, daddy's in there drunk and he's naked and he told everybody. That's not a blessing. Did he do that in love? Had nothing to do with love and honoring his father. But the other boys, you remember what they did? They took a cloak and they put it on their shoulders and they backed in there. Remember that? Wouldn't even look. They backed in there and they dropped that so they covered their daddy and they walked out, not even looking at his time of weakness. Love does what? Covers. Covers. You ever had somebody, maybe it was a weak moment for you, and I don't mean they lied for you, but they just kind of drew attention to something else and tried to take care of you on the side and 
keep you from looking bad? Do you appreciate that? Oh, man. I could tell you some stories, but I don't have time right now. Unless the Lord says so. Keep reading. Now, in uh, chapter 26, uh, verse, excuse me, verse 26 of the same 14th chapter of Mark. It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Is it good to sing when you get through with a service or something? That's the way they did it. Jesus said to them, verse 27, he said, all of you will be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I'll smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You know the devil knows that. You know he's always trying to do that. He's always trying to mess up the leader. Because it scatters the flock. Pray for your leaders. If you're visiting here tonight, pray for your pastors. You know, sometimes, let me just touch on this a little bit. Sometimes people don't understand People's lives are not the same and the levels of temptation are not the same. The Lord won't allow you to be tempted above that what you're able. He'll, he'll give you ability to overcome. But as you grow and develop, you're able to deal with different things. And as you overcome, you're able to step up into higher places. How many believe Jesus dealt with some serious temptation in the wilderness that a lot of people wouldn't have been able to deal with? Sometimes I've heard people say, well, I can't understand how they even, you know, how they could fall and mess up like that. I've never even been tempted in that area. Right. Did you get it or not? Right. Because a lot of folk, they couldn't handle any of that temptation. If it came, they'd just fall. Boom. So the Lord spares them. I've talked to friends of mine in ministry. And of course, you know, the higher place of ministry, the more people you're reaching and affecting, the more people that's getting saved, well, the enemy bumps you up on his hit list. I mean, people that are doing nothing, he don't care. But I had a friend call me one time. He said, Keith, pray for me. He said, I couldn't tell this to just anybody. He said, but pray for me. He said, I have been tempted in an area here that I've never been tempted in. He said, I, I won't even be thinking about it. I'll be in here trying to study and this thing will come on me and I just have all these feelings and these thoughts. And he said, I just have to grip the chair and say, no, 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 never and never no. He said, and it's come back and it's come back and it's come back. He said, stand with me. I'm not yielding, but it's something to deal with. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to yield to it. Give in to it. Pray for your ministers. They may be dealing with some things you just don't know about. And some things you haven't had to deal with. Believe with them. You know the biggest weakness and problem with ministers? They're like you. <laughs> That's right. Just like you. We get, we get specially anointed to preach and teach it. We are not specially anointed to live it. Got to live it just like anybody else. Amen. And if you say, how could they do that? You already know. How'd you do what you did? That's right. <laughs> I'm going to say, well, I would never. You already have. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that. Yeah, you sinned, didn't you? Yeah. Have you sinned? Yeah. Well, that's what they did. Yeah, that's right? right? Sin. 
Anyway, keep reading. They went out and Jesus said, the shepherd's going to be smitten, the sheep will be scattered. It's written. He said, but after I'm risen, I'll go before you to Galilee. Peter said, now verse 29. Before I do that, did Peter take a traitorous stance before this night was over? I know you might not like that word. But did he disidentify himself with Jesus? Hmm? I mean, that's what Judas did. When Judas left Jesus and he went to the, his enemies, he changed sides. Didn't he? Well, isn't that what Peter did? When he stood out there and he said, I don't know who you're talking about. And he came up again. He said, I don't know who you're talking about. And he began, the Bible said, he began to curse and to swear. Well, that doesn't mean he's just using four-letter words. He began to bring curses on himself. Uh, you know, uh, the comedian says, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That kind of thing. He's, he's saying, no, if I'm not telling the truth, may this happen to me. May this bad thing. And I swear to you, I swear, I have nothing to do with this man. I don't know this man. Did he do that? Did he intend to do that? Did he think he ever would? You think Judas ever thought he would sell Jesus for $20? Do you think people that have caused church splits and hurt people and and ruined babies' lives and done the things that they've done, you think they thought they would do that? No. But the enemy is always looking for somebody that will begin to entertain thoughts of disillusionment and bitterment and sit around and talk about it and sit around and talk about well I don't think they should have done that they should have done this and that ain't right and, and if I'd have, you know I'd have done it like this and, and well don't you think God's big enough if he'd have wanted to put you in there he could have put you in there yeah. and why, how about just backing up and seeing if you're not there maybe there's a reason why you're not there uh, people don't seem to understand you know that they never people have historically rejected God's choice historically did they accept Moses and Aaron? Hmm. They rejected them. Did they accept Jesus? Jesus came to his own. And so we don't want him. His own received him not. Peter said, listen to this, verse 29. Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. This is pride. I said, this is pride. What makes him better than all the rest? When you, the moment you start talking about, I would never. How could they do that? I would never do that. What are you saying? What are you saying? I'm better than them. I'm stronger. I'm smarter. I'm sharper. Did Peter respond correctly? In this situation. When he said. I don't care if everybody leaves you. I won't. Jesus said to him. Verily I say to you. This day even in this night. Before the cock crows twice. You shall deny me three times. And Peter spoke the more vehemently. Uh uh. No I won't. If I have to die with you tonight. 
I will not deny you. Never, ever, no way will I deny you. Is that the correct response? Hmm? Let me help you. No. Look at the results. No, it is not. I hope you can stay with me for just a little bit here. I know this is a little different, but we need services of all kinds. How many on our spiritual diet needs to be varied just like our natural diet? You know, maybe you like ice cream and potato chips, but you shouldn't eat ice cream and potato chips all the time and only, right? <laughs> you need some other things. So we're talking about some other things tonight. We're talking about how to not be a traitor, how to be faithful. Amen. Amen. How can I stand when others fall? Nobody has to fall. But here's another thing. Jesus is looking at Peter. And Peter said, I won't leave you. He was the most vocal about not leaving him. And he was the most openly denying him. Are you keeping notes at least up here tonight? Watch the people that are the most vocal. Oh, we're with you. Ain't nobody with you like we are. How do you know? Why would you say that? You just told me that you're superior to everybody else that's helping us. That's pride. Pride goes before a fall. Doesn't it? We'll back you. We'll back you. Some of these folk, after a while, they're so far back. You can't see them with binoculars. You go, I thought they was back there. Well, now we lost them a long time ago. <laughs> and you don't know about faithfulness until somebody has a choice. Hmm? You don't know. Peter thought... He had it. He thought, ain't nobody more faithful to Jesus than me. It's me and you, Jesus, to the end. I will die with you. And he, I think he meant that the best he knew. Don't you? Because when it all started going down, he whipped out his blade, didn't he? All right, Jesus, me and you, I told you I'm with you and I'm with you. Let's fight. He began to carve off this guy's ear. But when Jesus told him, Put your sword up. Then a similar thing happened to him that happened to Judas. He's bewildered. He thought, what's going on? What do you mean? Don't fight? You're just going to let them take you? He got confused. He began to be bewildered. Hmm? Do you see this? And he let this stuff get in him, a measure of the same stuff that got in Judas. What should he have done? Listen, when Jesus looks at you and says, no, you're going to deny me. Do you argue with the master? Hmm? Is he wanting to hear you get up in his face and say, no, I won't. If he says you will, what do you do? Hit your knees. And say, Lord, God, can I keep from it? What can I do? Help me, show me, right? And humility gets grace. But pride gets resisted. 
Now you don't wait until you see the master. When the Lord puts you with people and they're your spiritual elders and they're your leaders and they tell you something and you start arguing with them about it. What are you saying? I know more about it than you do. You don't know. And you watch it. The people that are the most vocal will be the ones who fall the hardest. I didn't intend to get into all this tonight, but here we are. (laughs) There was a very, very big difference between Judas and Peter, however. Jesus looked at Peter before this ever started unfolding. And he said, Peter, Satan desired to have you. He wanted to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. When you get past this, what does that mean? I said, what does that mean? It means you're going to get past it. Amen. When you get past this, when you've recovered, you're overcome, then strengthen your brothers. You remember it happened just like that. Peter standing out there by the fire. Eventually one of the ladies looked at him and said, thought you traveled with Jesus. He said, "Uh uh-uh. No, you got me mixed up with somebody else lady. Somebody else looked at him a little bit later and said, yeah, you did. I saw you with them. You're one of them. He said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not. No, you're wrong. I don't even know this man. Friend, do you know the Bible talks much about the offense of the cross and about the reproach of the gospel? Have you been taking any abuse for being identified with a bunch lately? Huh? Oh, you're one of them. Hmm? You know, there's people that have faded. They've faded on the spot at work or in the restaurant. Well, well, we've been over there a few times. But that we don't, you know, we're not really members. Same thing Peter did. I said the same thing Peter did. You a Christian? Well, uh, You're not one of them folks who believes in miracles, are you? You should not have to think about these answers. Right? And I don't care who you are around. I don't care where you are at. I had a fellow ask me one time. Folk I was hooked up. He said, uh, you hooked up with them tongue talkers? I said, yeah. He said, hmm. He said, they're strange, aren't they? I said, come and see. Come and check it out. See, no obligation. Just come. See what's going on. Amen. But don't be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gifts of the Spirit. Don't be ashamed of prayer in the name of Jesus. Don't be ashamed identify with him and be willing if necessary to suffer with him outside the gate if they want to run him out they got to run you out too identify with the Lord and identify with the people now I don't know if you've seen the full scope of this but I've been in ministry long enough now to see things fade when the heat comes 
People you thought were your friends were sure were your friends. When the heat began to come about something you were preaching or believing and doing, they don't know you no more. You're too hot right now. Friend, make up your mind. The Lord hooks you with somebody, you're with them. Amen. Even if it means suffering reproach, if it means suffering shame, you take it. And you stand. And you stay. Amen. Amen. I think, you know, faith people have put a lot of emphasis on faith. But I think we need to put some more emphasis on faithful. Hmm? Faithful. Because God sure does. Let me give you briefly some things that are qualities and characteristics of being a faithful heart and a faithful spirit that if you'll practice and hold close to your heart, you'll never go down this road that Judas went down or that Peter went down this night. But how many know it's good to know even if you did mess up, Peter, when he saw it, when that rooster crowed, he cried like the Bible said, a wailing cry. He sobbed out loud. You could have heard him a couple of blocks away, I suspect, because he saw that the thing he kept saying so adamantly he would never do, he did. He did it. He betrayed his master. He denied that he even knew the one that loved him like nobody else ever loved him in his whole life and did more for him than anybody ever did. He wailed and he cried. Oh, but he had a heart to repent. Different from Judas. He had a heart. He was broken that night and he cried and you know he was miserable. But before it was over with, you remember Jesus was raised from the dead and he looked him in the eye and he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, I do. I don't imagine he was so braggadocious on this time around. Do you think he said, yeah, I do. And he looked at him, he said, feed my lambs. Looked at him again, said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, mm-hmm. I love you. He said, well, feed my sheep. Looked at him the third time and he said, Peter. Don't you imagine he had a lot of thoughts going through his mind. He said, do you love me? And he said, oh, God, you know, you know everything. You know if I love you or I don't. Tell me if I don't. You know? <laughs> I believe he's learned some things. Amen. He said, feed and take care of my sheep. And I tell you what, the man that stood out there crying like a baby with his heart twisted up and messed up on the day of Pentecost stood up with the fire of God on him and preached like a house of fire and saw 3,000 people come in and get saved in a day's time. Even if you blow it badly, if you got a heart to repent, Master knows what to do for you. Amen. Real quickly. A faithful man or woman is a reliable man or woman. That's what the word literally means. I'm just going to go through these real quickly for time's sake. Proverbs says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. What does that mean? You go to bite down on something, you expect that tooth to hold, but it breaks. Ah. You go to put your weight down on your foot, but it twists and you fall. What's a faithful man? You go to count on them? 
they're there. Hmm? They tell you they're going to be there, they will be there. They tell you they're going to be there as long as it takes, they will be there as long as it takes. You can say what you want to, but if you tell somebody you're going to do something, and then you have all these things that come up, reasons why you can't, and you're sorry, but it's not going to work, you're unfaithful. You may think you've got all kinds of excuses. The scripture says that a characteristic of a spiritual pilgrim and a man or woman of God is one that will even swear to their own hurt and change not. Maybe you shouldn't have said it. Well, that means you'll be more careful next time when you say something. Right? And what you're going to do, but you got your word out, and now you and your word are one. If your word's no good, you're no good. And we live in a loose, lax society today, friend, but I'm telling you, if you don't do what you say you will do, you are unfaithful. Say it out loud, I keep my word. I am reliable by God's grace. Secondly, a faithful person represents the one they serve. They don't just do their own thing, but they represent properly the one they serve. Philippians 2 says, Timothy, Paul talking about Timothy, he said everybody seeks their own and not the things that are Christ. But he said, Timothy's different. He preaches just what I preach. He represents me. He doesn't do his own thing. The scripture also says that a faithful man is a man of honesty. Man of integrity, a woman of integrity, a faithful witness will not lie, the scripture said. Also, a faithful man is a man or woman of confidentiality. You tell them something, and if they say they won't tell anybody, that's exactly what happens. The scripture said, Proverbs eleven thirteen: a talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. He that's trustworthy, the RSV says, keeps a thing hidden. This is a big part of, I wish I had another couple of hours here, but I don't. But if somebody tells you, don't tell anybody, and you say, okay, I won't tell anybody. Then how many people can you now tell without being a liar? Now, you might think this is a simple thing, but there is such confusion about this. Because people say, well, I, you know, uh, so-and-so told me this, and I'm not going to tell anybody, but I'm going to tell you, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> you know, don't tell anybody. I'm not supposed to tell anybody, so don't tell anybody. Right now, you are a liar. Right now. Right now. Let me go over this real slow. If somebody tells you, please, don't tell anyone this, and you say, okay, fine, I won't tell anyone, then how many people now can you tell? Let's go over this real slow. How many? Tell me. One? Two? How many people can you tell? If you tell one soul, you are a liar, and you are unfaithful. Someone said, well, I just told my husband, I just told my wife. If you told them you would tell nobody... Hmm? If you want to tell your husband or wife, ask them, can I tell them? And if they say no, then that's it. A faithful person understands confidentiality and will not betray confidence. You can trust them. We've been in closed conference meetings before with ministers. Important, important things. And the leaders say, now please, please, this does not leave this room. 
Okay, everybody? And everybody go, yeah, 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 right. We understand. I get home 45 minutes later and somebody's calling me from the West Coast about what happened in the meeting. How'd they find out? Somebody must have called them on their cell phone in the car from the meeting. I don't know. How many understand this is a serious thing? So if you're wise, what do you do? You do not tell that person anything that you don't want public information anymore. Which means they have lost a place of fellowship with you. I'm so glad that there's a lot of men and women across the country and the world that call me sometimes or talk to me. And anymore, they don't even say, don't tell anybody. They know that I know. This is confidential. And that's it. Sometimes they'll talk to other people like they assumed I told somebody and they don't know what they're talking about. Because if you say, tell no one, tell me again, how many people now can we tell? None. 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 Hallelujah. There's more, but I don't have time tonight. I'm not going to go into it. But how many believe that if you're faithful, blessings will come to you? The scripture says a faithful man will abound. With blessings. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. Jesus looked. Told the story about the man that had been faithful with the two talents. And faithful with the five talents. And you remember what he told them? He said you've been faithful in a little bit. Now you're going to be ruler over much. How many have a heart to be faithful tonight? Makes I'd have to start preaching again to try to touch on how much difference it makes in all of our future. So much of God's will coming to pass in our life is based on us being faithful. Even if God's called you to something, even if he got this plan for you, if you won't be faithful, you may live your whole life and never do it. Never enjoy it, never get into it. But the faithful man, the faithful woman, will be promoted, will be blessed, will be used, will be increased, and actually will abound in blessings on every side. Won't you just lift one hand up before the Lord and close your eyes. Let me pray this prayer over you. I know some of this is sober tonight, but it's good too when you can know enough to be free and not fall when the temptation comes. Pray it out loud, Father God. God. You know my heart. You know know everything in my mind. You know all things, the past, the present, and the future. I do not want to fail you. I do not want to betray you or be a traitor against you or any of your people or any of your works. May it never be thus with me. I'm asking you. Enlighten the eyes of my heart and my understanding. Help me to never get disillusioned. To never despise your spirit, your people, the things you hook me up with. To never get bitter. And to never, never fail to honor you. And obey you. Hallelujah. 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 Just put your other hand up and begin to praise him a little bit.
There are things the Lord can do in your heart in just a moment. Just something that he can reach down by his spirit and change in you that will set you on a different course. And even if you've been unfaithful in times past, you can be changed and become and turned into another man and another woman until people look at you and go, that's the most faithful man I'd have never thought is the same person. They are so faithful and they were, they used to be so unfaithful. But they have changed and they're a different man. They're a different woman. I'd trust them with anything. Hallelujah. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. God, make me, God, make me. A, faithful person. a faithful person. A faithful person. A faithful person. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Begin to praise him a little bit. He's working it in spirits even now. Working in you to will and to do of all his good pleasure. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank, just praise him a little bit tonight. Thank you, Lord, for working in me, faithfulness. Working in me, faithfulness. Working in me, faithfulness. Like unto your own faithfulness. I'm a faithful son and child of a faithful father. Like father, like son. Thank you for making me like yourself, O Lord Most High. Hallelujah. Come on, praise Him a little bit more. Just... Just thank Him that He is working inside you right now. Faithfulness. 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 Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. We ought to praise Him just a little bit further. Just thank Him. He said He's able to make a stand. He's able to make a stand. He's able to keep us from falling. And to present us faultless before the presence of His glory. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.